Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and today joined by, by a very special guest, former Newcastle United striker, Mick Quinn. Mick, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, hi, Andrew, you OK? I'm not too bad, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, uh, down in the dumps, obviously, watching Newcastle United, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on my own. No, you're not at all. And uh, I mean, as a former Newcastle United number nine, I suppose there's only one place we can really start. Um, I know last week you had a, a bit to say in your column about Joel Linton. It didn't really get much better against Crystal Palace, did it? No, I think his, uh, his touch touches in the, in their 18-yard box in the match were two. Um, he worked hard enough in the game itself, but he's not getting in the box and they're not getting service to him. And if, if, and if he's your main man uh, who you're relying on to score and create chances for, then it's not good enough. It's not good enough all round. The same as the performance, uh, Palace, not good enough. If your manager came to you, though, and you're the number nine, you've expected to grab the goals, you've got a, a big price tag, and, and your manager in the press uh, is saying prior to the game that he's not a natural goal scorer, he's not like... Um, Alan Shearer or what what have you. I mean, no one's made that comparison, but to say he's not like a natural goal scorer and yet you've expected to get the goals, what kind of pressure does that put you under as a, as a goal scorer? Uh, I don't know with modern day football whether they care enough to, to have pressure. Um, I, don't, I don't know the kid. I really don't know. It's no surprise to me he's not scoring goals um, in the Premier League at his age and from where he come from which I did highlight uh, when he signed he'd only been in double figures I think league goals once and that was in Austria uh, Rapid Vienna nothing like the Premier League I think he's he's hit double figures a couple of times with cup goals you know uh, um, hardly prolific for 40 million and to me I was hoping he would score goals but there was no way on this planet he would be getting 15 to 20 league goals like a good goal scorer should and by way by a good goal scorer that's average for a good goal scorer 15 to 20 Premier League goals when we're going into March so obviously Newcastle lacking goals and you know that's what gets you points in games and creativity as well Andrew creativity you know he's he's not a goal he's not an out and out goal scorer it's took the manager till February to mention that um, you know he's got the physique to hold the ball up and that's why I, I mentioned you know a couple of weeks ago about he's got to contribute more and get in the box more and be hungry and be selfish if he misses the chances at least they're creating chances do you know what I mean and then if he keeps on missing chances then he's he's dropped and, and put the next striker in you know Gale or whoever so or just mix things up but at this moment 
he's not good enough in the Premier League to score goals. They're not creating enough to score goals and get themselves out of trouble against bang average teams in that Premier League. Teams who are on the back of three defeats and so on, who are in trouble, you know, um, and not away from the relegation zone. And like I said, it's just not good enough all round. And as a former striker, when you're watching him on telly, you're back up here, is it frustrating to see that he's not, you know, breaking his neck to get into that box and get on the end of crosses? Because that's where you would have been. Andrew, I don't think it's a case of him breaking his neck. I think it's a case of the way he thinks. He's, you know, he's he's coming deep to get the ball. He's going wide to get the ball. He's, you know, for me, I would tell him to be a bit more selfish and let other players do that in and around him. You know, the busy little players, Amirin or Richie, if he's playing, or, you know, they've got to get that ball. He should stay 10 yards further back. So they've got an out ball for him to hold up if they are under pressure at the back. And then he can get the midfield players to support him. Or just, you know, even when they're building, don't come as deep and just get in the box. But, like, I agree, he's not busting his backside to get in the box as well. So, it's just, it's his mindset, the way he thinks, um, you know, and where he's come from. And maybe he came from teams that, obviously, uh, had more goal scorers in it, midfield players that were goal scorers and created more. But he has to contribute more in the way of goal. Do you find it strange that, because obviously the January transfer window was all kind of based around getting a striker in it from the, the fans' point of view and the pundits in Newcastle need goals. And Steve Bruce said, you know, there's no one out there that's better. And then we're, what, three weeks, four weeks after the window's closed and he's come out and said he's number one striker isn't a natural goal scorer. Do you find that kind of a, a bit strange? I found the whole deal strange, which I highlighted as well when he did sign him. Because I did a bit of background on him. I did a bit of history on his goals. And there's no way he should have been bought for 40 million quid. End of. He wasn't worth 40 million. But someone paid it. We paid it, Newcastle. Um, and that's the, that's what I'm scratching my head about. Um, and going back to when I think the club were interested in it, if I remember. Rafa mentioned he wasn't ready for the Premier League. He's too young. And... and uh, you know, hate to say it, but I think he was right. Oh, um, you know, I think it was over a year ago when he said it. Look, I, I don't want to make it all about Joe Lytton and, and slagging him off because there's other players not performing as well. There's players that don't look fit in that team at this moment in time. Um, so to put it all on Joe Linton, um, you know, it's unfair. But you know, he's on, you know, so much money a week, a lot, of, you know, a lot of money a week. Um, He's got a big price tag on his head and he should be scoring more goals than what he's done this season, even allowing for him not being a natural goal scorer. And that's, I think, what's the frustrating thing about the deal. The frustrating thing for the fans because, he, you know, he wears that hallowed number nine shirt as well. and They expect more when someone wears that. And mm-hmm. that's just not him. That's any centre-forward who's ever put that shirt on in the history of Newcastle United. When you wear that shirt, they expect I'm afraid he's not delivering. Is it a confidence thing as well? Because I think we've spoken previously about you know you wanted that number nine shirt, and you, but you're, you were a very confident player. Joe Linton doesn't strike you as someone who's maybe overly confident. Um, do you think that plays a role as well? Because you've got to be confident that you can handle the pressure of that shirt, and you can you can give the fans what they expect. It's I, it's a hard thing, like I said, because the modern day football, I don't know what you think. 
but you know, I mean, he had he had a shot from twenty twenty five yards there, which um, made the keeper pull out a good save. Now, if he's lacking confidence, he wouldn't be shooting from twenty five yards. He'd be trying to pass it and lay it off at that point. So I'm not completely sure whether it is a confidence thing. But it's it's just a mindset. It's either in you, Andrew, or it isn't. It's either in you to bust your backside to get in that box. You know, elbow defenders out the way within reason. Um, have a hunger and desire. And if, if he's not, then, you know, the manager said himself he's not a natural goal scorer. Then you've got to get players, if he's going to be in the team, got to get players in and around to support him and get them in the box and contribute with goals as well. But the whole sort of attack of midfield and strike force, what or lack of it, you know, is not not scoring goals. And that, you know, is it joint? I think the joint lowest the goal scorers now, aren't he? With Palace. Which is embarrassing. Embarrassing. And if, if Steve Bruce picked up the phone to you and said, you fancy coming in uh, and, and give him drilling in a few training sessions, would you? Of course I would. Of course I would, yeah. Um, I'd sit him down first and go through his game and tell him where he should be in places uh, and where he shouldn't in regards of coming too deep and, you know, and, uh, you know, doing his drills, you know, staying behind, uh, working all hours, um, just hitting that back of the net, whether the keeper's in there, whether it's not, in training, you know, even even when I went on, onto the pitch, you know, with the warm-ups, um, I'd ping a few balls into the back of the net, get the feel of the net, get, you know, get me shooting, range going, um, stay after training, you know, get one of the youth team goalkeepers there. I mean, the keepers were sick of me, um, especially if it was on sort of a drought as well, Andrew, do you know what I mean? But, you know, you'd also, you'd have to, you've got to keep your sharpness up in this game. Uh, if you're not a natural, and even if you are a natural, you've got to keep, you know, at it and at it and at it before it comes becomes second nature. And it's not second nature with this kid, and you know. You mentioned there kind of a goal drought, and obviously he's only scored against Spurs in the league. I think it's something like 32 hours without a Premier League goal. What does that do um, to a mindset of a striker? And is, is that the test as well? Because I, I assume someone like yourself or like Alan Shearer, they've gone a long time without scoring a goal. You'd be very frustrated at not at not getting a goal. But do, do you see that in Joe Linton? Uh, like I said, I don't know. I mean, he seems a pretty laid-back kid. You know, I, I'm looking at his body language on the pitch and, and his facial expression, and he doesn't look frustrated. <laughs> you know, uh, at times, he looks like he's strolling around. Um, but, you know, I, I can't say he didn't work hard enough on, on Saturday. He was just in the wrong positions. He's got to work at his, at his game in, inside that 18-yard box. Two touches in the 18-yard box in 90 minutes is not good enough. It's not good enough. And if you're not contributing in that 18-yard box, no matter how hard he works outside it, you've got to get someone in who's going to be on it. It could be time for a change. I mean, I said last week I'd leave him in there to see how he performed. But to be fair, Andrew, the whole team didn't perform on Saturday, except for the keeper, didn't perform against Crystal Palace. So, you know, I think it's, it's either he goes or, you know, something's got to drastically change his form, goals, whatever. Um, but it's got to be either next game or, you know, we hope we've enjoyed this episode so far. It's sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group.
Northeast number one family owned Toyota, Mazda, and Suzuki dealership group. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcasts from. Got Burnley this weekend. I mean, would you change more than Jolinton? Would you have a formation change to Bruce Hill? I've got to. I think Danny Rose doesn't look match fit. Um, I mean, where does Steve Bruce come from as regards the Lazaro sending off? <laughs> that. It's only 10 minutes ago. They shouldn't have sent him off. The fella's through with a one-on-one with the keeper. I just don't, I just don't understand the whole mindset at the club at the moment. Um, he got skinned a couple of times by Zahar as well. Um, he's still finding his feet in the Premier League. Uh, Danny Rose is not match fit, neither. And you're playing these players or throwing them straight in in the Premier League at the deep end. You know, without them little touches uh, and we're coming unstuck didn't defend well last week um, you know everything came down that right hand side against Arsenal where Rose was and you know Lazaro made mistakes not picking up just basic defending as well not picking up at the set pieces I think Dan had a free header there and uh, Benteke had a free header no one picking them up basics um, and the keeper well, I tell you, one of the best signers they've had, you know, probably for the last 10, 10 years, I would mm. think. Um, he was outstanding, kept us in it. And like I said, Newcastle made a bang average team on the back of three defeats look like whale beaters on that, on that particular performance. And it's embarrassing when the fans are paying that money and time to go down there to London and trudge all the way back with a below-par performance. Um so, yeah, I think it's time for changes, definitely. Definitely. Is it a case of a change in personnel? So, you may bring Richie back in, you bring Hayden back in, Yedlin coming for the suspended Lazaro. Was it a formation change as well, do you think? Maybe put two up front? Or? Got to look like we're going to score a goal as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, with Hayden, you know, he's solid there. And he pitched him at a odd goal. Um, Richie, busy little player, he'll get forward, he'll, he'll put a few crosses in. Almiran as well, you know, Yedlin's quick. Um, we've got to look like we're going to create and score goals. Um, that's, for me, a gimme, just a gimme. And, um, you know, Burnley, uh, Burnley get their success by being disciplined. You know, they're good at set pieces, they defend really well. And, you know, they've got the big kid up front who is handful as well. So, um it's good. We've got to be bang on our game. And I, you know, if I was Steve Bruce, I'd read the riot act that team that on, from last Saturday, leaving the keeper out, because that just wasn't good enough. That was, uh, uh, tell you what, we just give Palace the three points. What, what's the point of playing them? Type thing, you know. Um, and I don't care what anyone says. Um, that's how I felt about that performance. Limp, uh, Palace, lifeless, and. Pardon. So I was just to say, Palace had taken it. Had taken Palace five games to get eleven shots on target, and against Newcastle, there they had they had nine in ninety minutes. It was. <laughs> That's what I said. We made them look, you know, whale beaters, an ordinary an ordinary team like Palace, who'd been struggling to score goals, been struggling to win football matches. But we just don't know what the tactics were. I don't know what the tactics were. Was it just a nick of points or what? But. We sat so deep, like I said, felt sorry for Lytton, but we didn't get many support. But at the same time, you know, 
he wasn't getting in the box to get on the end of anything anyway. So, like I said, tactically, I don't know what Steve Bruce was thinking, but at the same time, that is not good enough in the black and white shirt. Not good enough. Does you it worry you that? that? It does worry me now. I said the last game uh, against the Arsenal, like, getting battered, that that wasn't good enough. And if we perform like that again, then I would start to worry. And I'm afraid we have. Uh, and I'm not jumping on a bandwagon of doom and gloom. I'm just telling it like I see it. You know, um, influenced by no one other than I just love that club. And I want to see them do well for them supporters who pay fortunes to go to games and want to be entertained. I just want to stay in that Premier League and win games and want a good cup run. So, so to me, like I said, he, he, if he's got anything about him, Bruce, he, he should have read them that riot act. And some of them players don't look match fit. And uh, it's not working, whatever tactics, because of the results that they've had. It's quite worrying that the players, that the teams around them in the league, they can't seem to beat. You know, draw, draw against Norwich, beat off Palace. Um, they've got Burnley, the, arguably one of the informed teams in the league at the moment. You know, Saturday is a very important game because another defeat against the team around them and Newcastle are, you know, dragged right back into the, the relegation fight. Yeah, exactly. Um, but do, do you know what I mean? You you can have players with a lot of skill. You know, you players tactic. You can have tactics, and you know you can go on about this player, that player, what they're going to do. What you know, you can talk and talk and talk and. And go through about the opposition, you know, meetings prior to the to the game that you're playing. But when that match kicks off, Andrew, you've got to have a desire. And I'm afraid in them particular matches you've just mentioned, the other team had a bigger desire to win the win that football match. And that's the disappointing thing. Because desire and commitment is a gimme again for any Newcastle United player. Then the skill on top and what have you, good players and that are bonus, uh, bonuses, you know, that you, you sign and, and go on from. But that is why when we have played them teams and struggled, the desire has been more with them teams. And I, I realise for our listeners... And that's when he's got to question very... players and that's when he's got to question his tactics and that if players are not committed, then they've got to get out the team and he's got to put players in, no matter who, kids, whatever. He's got to get, because he's just going to start slipping down that table. And the mindset is, oh, you know, I don't know where that mindset is. It's from the players that, oh, you know, we've got enough points. We won't go down. There's two, three teams worse than us. <laughs> All of a sudden, you go on that rut and start losing games. And then confidence goes, as well as the commitment. Then you are struggling. I was just going to say that I realise it's been a very negative uh, podcast. So I'm going to ask you to give me a positivity uh, one positive from um, the last week, if you can find one. The keeper, magnificent, magnificent. Uh, for me, you know, he's constantly taught. We need a few more leaders like him on the pitch. You know, we've got Lascelles and, and him. But, you know, I want to see people argue with each other that you're not picking up at set pieces, not throwing their arms up in the air, shrugging their shoulders. Is that oh that that was your man, you know? I want I want to see a bit of personality, character, uh, and that keeper's got everything. 
He's talking all the time. He's telling them to pick up. He's telling them what to do. You know, he's trying to drive the team on from a goalkeeping position. You know, them saves were fantastic on the Saturday. So, to me, more leaders like him, and he's the positive at the moment in a very negative uh, couple of weeks. Um, and just finally then, I just want to get your quick take on the news that heading the ball for young players, for teenagers, I think it's under the age of 16, they're not going to be allowed to, to head the ball in, in, in games and what have you. Um, what's your view on that as an ex-professional footballer? Uh, I think kids, you know, um, you look at the Ajax Academy going back years and years and, and other academies abroad, they very rarely head the ball. The ball's on the ground. They have small-sided games. It's that, you know, we're, we're right up to date with all that now with the small-sided games for kids and, and the emphasis on skill and touch and, and enjoying it at a young age. So I, I think, yeah, you know, uh, I wouldn't remove it from the modern game, but I think with a lot of youngsters under 10s especially that, there's, you know, there isn't a need to really head the ball or, you know, um, because I do think there's a link with ex-footballers and going back, not, you know, well, maybe my age, but going back to them other lads who had proper leather balls, you know, with the head in them, you know, in the 60s and 70s, um, they were wet, they were heavy, and the impact, you know, and, and you look back on the games, you know, I played myself from, I was in my first team at the age of nine, you know, and I was playing Saturdays and Sundays, Right the way through for school, for me district, you know, apprenticeship. God, hundreds, thousands of games, over a thousand games, heading the ball. You know, it's got to have some sort of link as you get in to, you know, the 60, 70 years age and, and in regards of the impact it has on your brain and, you know, the Alzheimer's and, uh, you know, and, Dementia and, and, and what have you. There's got to be a link there somewhere. Um, you know, no one's agreeing to it at the moment. Um, they're doing all medical tests. I, you know, I'm filling in questionnaires myself. You know what I mean about it at this moment in time. But at that age, you know, it's about enjoying it. Heading shouldn't really come into it. So to me, I agree with everything that they put into process. I do think it's an art form heading a football. I do think um, the footballs, you know, past the coat and the lighter, you know, um, as well. So I don't think, you know, the modern day footballer, uh, age wise, you know, is going to have the same impact, you know, as what them players, I think, right up to the, you know, early 80s, up to the 90s type thing, you know. So, uh, so yeah, it's an important issue. And, you know, I know there's ex-footballers' wives and, and family uh, like Sir Jeff Astle and ex-West Brom and, 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 you know, and other players who, who reckon there is a, a link to it. Hmm. Yeah, they're doing, they're doing an excellent job in, in highlighting it and with the research. Um, well, Mick, thank you very much for joining us on the Everything is Black and White podcast. Well, everything is black and white with me, as you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry, I could be a bit more positive. Let's hope against Burnley and let's hope uh, with the FA Cup coming up uh, we can be more positive and he can turn a bit of form round and put a smile on my face and the rest of them brilliant Newcastle fans faces fingers crossed thank you again Mick cheers cheers Andrew